whatever happened to Reginald Belfry. Bum bum. It is a full moon like you've been experiencing for the last four years of your life. You are running through the woods with your newfound levels of control. You've been learning from your somewhat mentor, Dr. Jenkins. And you catch the scent of something very familiar. Something you've come perhaps unconsciously to, 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 to put you on edge. A scent that you recognize that even in your human form tends to make you very uncomfortable. What is it? I don't know. You'd have to follow it. Ah, oh, dang. I didn't know if I could, like, go, oh, yeah, that's Burger King, you know? Then I follow it. I follow that scent. Okay. You follow that scent through the woods on the edge of campus. You're running at, at, at tough, wolfy speed to toward this thing that smells just so funky to you and almost as if from far away but still way too close to you you hear a loud metal clang followed by a feeling of intense pain on your right ankle and your Forward momentum is such that your once your ankle is caught, you fall headlong onto the forest floor. Yeah, I'm gonna try to like roll over and break whatever just grabbed me. Yeah, you you roll over with difficulty because your your leg is immobile, but you're able to scramble into a sitting position and kind of twist your leg in such a way that you can see it is caught in a silver bear trap. Well, that's rude. Yeah, a little bit. The smell is almost overwhelming now with your your heightened wolf senses. You recognize it as one of those unique human smells. You have become accustomed to, you know, the smells of your friends, probably of your, some of your teachers that, you know, you're in, when you're in class, you kind of recognize people you see on a regular basis. This is definitely one of those human smells that has the quality of being somebody's, you know, unique scent profile. And you're almost sure you can place it when you hear the crunching of shoes on dead tree matter as someone walks toward you. Uh, I'm going to start growling wolf-like. Now, now, Reginald, 
steady on there. This won't hurt a bit, at least not much more than I'm sure it already does. Is there, is there a rock on the ground nearby or a branch or something? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Make a luck roll. Okay. I rolled a syntax error. Hmm. That is not what that should be. It's just, just roll a D hundred, right? Yeah. Roll a D 100. Uh, failure. Is your luck that low? I have a 34. Oh, no. Then, yeah, there's not a, there's not a rock or anything nearby. You s- scramble around in the, in the dirt for something you can, I presume, throw or use to spring the trap. Uh, but there is nothing to hand within your reach. I throw some dirt at him. Well, that's not very nice. I throw some more. All right. Let's just get on with this. This is going to be far more difficult uh, for me than it is for you. Physically, that is. You know, I don't... I mean, I, I'm sure I don't strike you as one who, who hits the gym frequently. Um, and Dr. Morris Brecken steps into view holding a length of hefty silver pipe. Uh, Do hold still for just a moment. Uh, I don't want, I really don't want to harm you too permanently since you are, are needed for this next phase of my operations. As soon as he walks within arm's reach, I'm taking a swipe at him. I hate this guy so much. And now my leg's in a bear trap. All right. Roll that uh, self-defense. Self-defense unarmed? Yeah? Yeah. Classic another syntax error. Okay. Something is terribly wrong with your character sheet then. Which is weird, because I don't think there's anything... Do I, do I roll... What, is, what do I roll? Yeah, so it'd be 1d3, and you don't have a damage bonus, so it'd just be... Um, or actually, first, just roll, um, roll a d100. Oh, I think it's because you don't have anything entered for your self-defense what should I? What should I put in there? It'll be half your dex, so it'll be 30. So will that be the... Uh... The check will be 30, yeah. Okay, well, that is an 86. Okay, so that's a hard fail. Let me have Brecken roll against that. And that's a 42, which is just a normal failure. Um, but since they're both failures, nothing happens. Uh, so you swipe at him and miss, um, but he doesn't fight back or do any damage to you. So it's kind of a, um, the role is a draw. And you're like, whoa there, whoa there. 
All right, I'm going to have to neutralize you for the time being, but I do hope that we can work together peacefully in the coming hours or days, however long this takes. And he's going to whack you across the head with that silver pipe and try and knock you out. Ow. So he's going to roll self-defense with the pipe because uh, that's the catch-all combat roll unless you have like fencing or martial arts or something. Gotcha. And then you can roll to dodge or uh, f- fight back. Uh, I'd like to roll to fight back. Is that just a D hundred again? Yes. Twenty four. Ooh. Yeah, you are able to take a claw then, because you rolled a success and he rolled a failure. Uh, you're able to take your your claw and uh and and bat the bat the pipe out of your out of out of the way and with the other hand you bring it back and you dig your claws into his arm something fierce and go ahead and roll me 1d3 uh one okay yeah so it just is one hit point which you don't have a lot of hit points in this game so it's still pretty significant he's bleeding pretty good out of that arm and he drops the pipe to clutch at his arm with his other hand. And okay, must resort to a little more creative measures. And he staggers back toward his, uh, toward his pickup truck to grab things does he have pull out his character sheet here yeah he pulls out his um yeah he grabs a um a cloth soaked in a substance and it's like now you're uh this is one of the more dangerous-looking faces I've had to get into, but I, this might be a little easier given our differences in, in physical strength. Um, he's going to try and press that cloth against your snout. He's trying to chloroform me? He's trying to chloroform you. Um, and this will be a const- contested strength. Oh, I'll roll strength. I'll, I'll also... Okay, what if I roll what my actual strength value is? Then that's uh, that's a success. Okay, because my strength is 58 and I rolled 58. Okay, then that's a success. And he rolled a failure, which means he fails to chloroform you. Get wrecked, scrub. All right. So for his last, uh, as a last-ditch effort, he remove something from his satchel he's been holding. And I was really hoping this would be much easier to do if you were uh, out of commission. But on the other hand, this may make it easier to 
transport. And he removes, it looks, what you just see is kind of a mess of, of, of silver. It looks like a, a large form version of like a, a tangled up pair of headphones or a pair of earbuds rather. Um, okay, like one, one moment, please. Um, don't try to struggle too much. I don't want to do too much damage to that leg of yours. And he has a, now he has a silver collar in his hands and he's going to try and put it around your neck. I'm going to try to bite him and claw him real good. Okay. I hate this man so much. This is this is my cutting his brake lines. Okay. So, because that'll be another contested strength to try and stop him from putting the thing... Or, or, are you going to stop him from putting it around your neck? Or are you going to... Well... Are you just trying to bite? I would like to stop him from doing literally anything he's trying to do outside okay. of, like, removing this bear trap. So, yeah, I'm okay. going gonna, gonna to try to stop him. Okay, that'll be another contested strength. Oh, that's a that's a big fail. Got a ni- I rolled a ninety eight. All right, so Doctor Brecken puts the silver collar around your neck, and it clicks into place. And the moment it does so, you feel. No urge to fight back. You just suddenly feel not okay, but it's like your aggression is just inaccessible now. Oh, all right. That is, that is much better, isn't it? Yes, I think this will do nicely. Reginald, I'm not sure how much of what I'm saying you can understand, but I'm going to need you to work with me here. Now, why don't we just stand up and get in that, get in that trailer over there? Uh, and you look, and sure enough, his truck is connected to a horse trailer with the back doors open and ready to receive a large creature. I give him a comical Jim looking at the office camera look after he says, let's just get up and go over there because I'm still in a bear trap. Ah, right. I must first release you from your, from this unfortunate situation in which you find yourself. And he goes over and pulls the lever on the side of the bear trap open enough for you to get your leg free and then releases it again so that it snaps back shut empty. Is, is there any, any way at all that I have enough strength or fury that I can access to attack him again or am I like that subdued right now? You are that subdued the moment the the moment the collar goes on. 
I will accept that. You're like, all right, now, if you could stand up for me one moment. I do. And he attached to the collar are two cuffs that, uh, you know, go on to each wrist. He's like, all right, this, I'm not quite sure how long the magical effects of this device will last. I've never gotten the chance to try it out before, but be on the safe side. Let's just get you into the trailer now. Um, run along. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. And once the, uh, the, the, the manacles enclose in, in around your wrist, you feel the strongest urge to do whatever Brecken tells you. If he wants you to get in that trailer, you are getting in that trailer. I get in that trailer. All right, now, why don't you just take a nice little nap? It's going to be quite a long drive. I take a nice little nap. Yeah, you just get so sleepy all of a sudden. Just a sleepy wouldn't fella. It, wouldn't it be so nice to just curl right up, you know, turn around three times over the little pile of hay in the bottom of the trailer and then settle yourself down for a little nap? I do. It's pleasant. And Dr. Brecken gets in his truck and starts driving back through the forest navigating the it's difficult to navigate the the trees in the with a while pulling a trailer you know but there is a a wide kind of maintenance track that runs through it that he's able to get to and eventually reaches a actual paved road Uh, by the time he gets to that road you are out Reginald Belfry is dead to the world. And alive in Christ. Yep. Uh, no he, high but the most high. He found a religion while <laughs> shackled up. Uh, ain't that just the way. So where are we going? Um, you'll find out. It is morning. And you wake up. A part of you expecting to be human again, as has happened every full moon since you, your first transformation. This is how it works. You go to sleep as a, as a wolf and wake up as a man. But this time, it's morning and... You can tell just by the, the, the weight of your limbs that you are still transformed, still wolfed out. And sure enough, you hold an arm up in front of your face and you see it still hairy with a huge clawed paw-like hand at the end and still with a chain attached to the cuff on your wrist. Hmm. Don't like that. And 
the next thing you notice is a sensation of movement. You realize that where you were sleeping is in motion. And then all the events of the previous night come back to you. And this time, your feelings of anger and fury are not inhibited. You feel filled with rage at what has been done to you. Hmm. I'd like to try to to break something, to break out, to rip a a, a window bar off. I don't really know what this horse carriage is all laid out like, but I want to I want to cause a ruckus. Yeah. So there are long windows on the on the side of the trailer that you can that you can see out of. Um and then there is a door on the back, a, a double door on the back that you can tell is is bolted from the outside. Um, they're not so much windows with glass, you know, but as, as much as there are just wide slits in yeah. the walls of the trailer, you know, you can, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these on the road, but you yeah. can usually see, you know, there's horses um, and they is not enough room for them to kind of stick their heads out, but you can see in and you can see them. Okay, here's my real question, I suppose. Okay. Am I feeling more like Reggie or more like Wolf? Um, you are kind of like a blend. You feel very wolfish in your 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 base instincts, you know, but you do still feel like Reggie. You have all Reggie's memories. You are aware of Reggie's goals and motivations but you definitely don't feel human but you do feel like reggie okay then yeah i think i think i'd take a swipe at uh removing some of the bars trying to see if i can like squeeze my squeeze my wolf body out okay you can certainly try and roll strength. Oh, wowzers. Extreme success. Okay, yeah. You bust a hole in the side of the horse trailer and you are able to squeeze out. Now, the the trailer is still in motion. You know, it's still... You are going down the highway at a pretty decent rate of speed, but you're pretty sure you could uh could could leap out of this trailer. How many how many cars are around? Um you look out the you look out of the trailer and there's probably one every every few seconds that is you know going by in the other direction. Uh, but you wouldn't be, you know, you made, a, you made a hole in the right side of the trailer, so you wouldn't be jumping into oncoming traffic if you jumped out. But, you know, you could definitely still be seen by 
passing cars or passersby. I think I'm okay with maybe becoming an urban legend. Yeah, I'm going to jump out. Okay. So go ahead and roll dexterity for me. Aw, that's a failure. Hey, you, you jump from the car and a, and the chain connecting your arm, you know, your arm to your neck, it, uh, gets caught on kind of one of the jagged metal edges of the hole you made and you thunk against the side of the trailer and you're kind of having to you know keep your feet picked up to keep from being actually dragged uh dragged alongside the trailer as Brecken because he must have heard the noise doesn't know what's going on begins to slow down as he exits the highway um you are still hanging on to the side for dear life as he pulls into a gas station um roll spot hidden for me no consequences just want to see rolling failed all right yeah there's a there's a you see a sign on the side of the you know on the side of the road like a that would have you know a mile marker and so and so miles till the next major city but you as you were kind of flapping against the side of the trailer you miss what that sign says and brecken pulls into a gas station to fuel up the truck and i'm just hanging there yep you're just hanging there are like the people at the gas station freaking out or uh maybe a little they're definitely giving they're definitely giving odd looks uh as dr brecken gets out approaches the side of the trailer and go, oh dear me yes this this might not do uh here let me allow me to assist you um and what what do you feel like doing the moment you see dr brecken come into your view uh I mean, I feel like tearing his, tearing his stupid face off. Okay, as you try to mentally, you know, give the command with your brain to your hand to try and maul his face off, it just doesn't go through. You feel all the rage and the aggression, but you seem unable to act on it. Well, we have gotten ourselves into a little bit of a situation. And he helps you untangle yourself from the, from the side of the trailer. And like you're a, a large dog, he walks you back to the trailer door and you know, 
ushers you back in. Do I have do I have five digits on my wolf paw, and are they opposable? Um, yeah, you kind of have a hybrid between a human hand and wolf paw. Cool, I'm going to flip them off. Okay, for some reason, whatever magic that keeps you docile uh, allows you to allows you to give him the middle finger. Uh, I guess it's not enough of a threat to kind of block that impulse. Magic supports self-expression. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, well, that was not very kind. Why don't you just sit here a moment while I fuel us up? With, with this new knowledge that I can be crude to him without consequence, I do the jerk-off motion at what he just said. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> you do that, and he just shakes his head and goes to start... Uh, goes to the, the gas pump to start filling up the pickup truck. Uh, a lady comes up to the, you know, approaches the trailer and he's like, and, and, and she's like, hmm, oh, hey there, you, you headed to a dog show? What is that, a Great Dane? Some kind of, some kind of long-haired Great Dane? Oh, uh, just, just so, ma'am. Yes, we are headed to the Baltimore Great Dane Convention. It's a specialized show just for just for this breed. Yes, this is one of the more rare variations of this variety of dog, and we are going to show him off and try to win a prize, aren't we? Aren't we, Alfonso? And he goes to scratch you behind the ears as if you were his large doggy. I allow it. And he scratches you behind the ears, and, he, and then the lady's like, oh, what a nice little guy. Then I pee All myself. All right, you take care. And then as soon as she's out of sight, he shuts the trailer doors on you. And this is one of those horse trailers. I don't know if you've ever been inside one, but it has these panels on the side that you can lock and unlock to create these kind of stalls inside the trailer. Mm-hmm. And he climbs in through that side hole and blocks it off with interior dividers so you don't, you know, fall out through the hole that you, through the hole that you made. And he's like, I suggest you don't try that again. We're almost at our destination. I slump. All right. You... Spend the rest of the drive in a, a, a sullen silence. And when you finally arrive at a little seaside town in what you now know is Southern Maryland, uh, he, he, he stops the truck and opens the back doors of the trailer and looks at you and kind of sighs and says now really I promise you you with your love of history will find this endeavor fascinating if you just allow me to take the lead on this one you will find some things that I am sure 
are to your interest. As, as frustrated as I am, that does make me pretty curious. And I don't know if that's the caller or if that's mm-hmm. just my genuine curiosity at the proposition. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair feeling at this moment. So you allow Brecken to lead you from the from the trailer to a little marina on the edge of Chesapeake Bay and watch as he rents a small sailboat and the two of you get in the boat and he sails you a little bit offshore to a tiny island that you doubt would appear on any map of the area. And as you are approaching the island, he gives you the lowdown. So, I know you must be wondering why I've brought you here today. Well, you see, have you heard of a Welsh king named, uh, or prince rather, named, named Maddock? Oh, I forget. You're a little tongue-tied at the moment. I'll tell you about him. There, there is, was an Eliz- Elizabethan-era legend of an old Welsh prince that fled his homeland and sailed to North America. Oh, in the, in the 12th century, hundreds of years before Columbus. And as the legend goes, he settled just a wee bit south at, um, in somewhere in Virginia along the James River. Now, I, as many other scholars have, discounted this legend uh, as it was largely seen as a as an, an excuse, a justification for, for British presence in North America, that they, they too had been there for hundreds of years. But then, you know, it is also said that there, in, in 1608, when, when Europeans began, uh, you know, began establishing a presence on the continent, who do they come across but a tribe of, of Welsh-speaking native people? Odd, yes. But lending some credence to what I thought was just a legend until I discovered these these writings. So I began to do some digging, as one does, of Welsh settlement in on the American continent. And what I found was not only may Prince Maddock have been a a real person, a real historical figure, 
he also may have brought along the remains of his dead father, uh, a, a Welsh king you may have heard of, Owen the Great. Yes, this, this, this ring a bell to you. I, you don't, don't, you feel free not to respond. It's all right. And legend also has it that along with his father, with his father's remains, he brought along a certain dagger, a certain weapon of great potential, great historical value. I must have this dagger. I cannot overstate the, my need for this piece of, of weaponry. And you are going to help me recover it and are going to help prove once and for all the, the validity of these, of these legends. You yourself may be creating a historical moment. This, this will be your, this will be your, well, I was going to say, I was going to say King Tut, but that, you know, the connotation there, um, hopefully we won't, you know, get cursed and everything. Well, here we are. And you pull up to this rocky coast on this tiny island, and Dr. Brecken gets out of the boat and wades to shore and ties it off to a large, uh, to a large tree trunk sticking out of the water. and uh, beckons you to also disembark as you head into this little, um, this little stretch of beach towards what looked from the shore to be a small hill, but now you see is a, a man-made, intentionally placed pile of, pile of stones. I look at him with a quizzical dog look in my eye. Yeah, you put you're put to you put your head to one side like a doggy. Oh yeah. Hmm. And then yeah, I, I and also it, I look at him like out of the corner of my eye, but when he looks back at me, I look away. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Um yeah, it looks like a a a dome made of large uh, stones that seem to have been uh, the 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 moss on them seems to indicate that um, that these stones have been submerged for some time, possibly that the maybe only recently have waters receded from this area to reveal that this landmark was here or that it was more than just a a natural hill uh and you also see what looks like 
an iron door on the in the side of the mound facing you and here is where you come in brecken gestures toward the door this is where we need a little extra muscle would you mind just giving that door a little shove pushing it open for me i do i do that okay go ahead and i'm not gonna make you roll uh you're big and strong and you would almost say that it seems like the door wants you to move it like it offers resistance that it doesn't just you know defy the law of physics but it also almost feels like something is helping you along something is helping you open this door it's like the door said make me but wanted me to make it yeah exactly uh this yeah this this ancient or this this you know medieval era tomb door is a uh is a uh, bratty sub energy um who amongst us isn't but unfortunately you can't make that make that clever little remark because you can't talk because you're a wolf yeah, this episode's really killing my banter opportunities. I've really only got yeah. crude gestures. Hey, a little crude gesture goes a long way. Yeah, I open it up and then look at him because I assume he wants me to enter. Yeah, he... Uh, yes, um, unfortunately, I will not be joining you. See, the, the journals that I've been unearthing and, and reading about this site indicate some kind of trial, some kind of test, perhaps, that the, the seeker must go through to prove themselves worthy to, uh, to, to Owen. So it might not be given, you know, certain issues in my past, might not be a good idea, I might not be the most worthy candidate, this isn't my area of expertise and all. Um, and I can always, I can always try second if you, you know, don't make it. I stick up a leg, pee on the ground in response, and walk in. Okay. There are some steps leading down into the, in, into this tomb, and there are paths that branch to the left and to the right, not as if it's a, you know, a, a fork, but as if it is a large circle surrounding a smaller circle. And you can either go around to the left or around to the right. I will go around to the right. Okay. So you... Go to the right, and you start getting images in your head um, that almost feel like memories, but with the knowledge that the things you remembered didn't actually happen to you. Those memories come with the sensation of being 
another creature entirely, not your wolf self or not your human self, but something lighter and more delicate. And then your, your raven dreams start to come back to you and you realize you're feeling the same sensation you do in those dreams of being about to tip forward off a great precipice into the mist and you don't know if you will spread your wings and find that you can fly. Um, I am going to do what feels closest to spreading my wings and flying, which I think in this moment is embracing that feeling and speeding up and going faster toward my end destination. Okay. As you walk and pick up speed and begin almost trotting down this path, you notice it's beginning to slope downward and the stone beneath your feet starts to feel kind of damp. And as you go deeper into this, this barrow, this old tomb, you start to, you begin to cross little puddles of water until you get to a, it opens out into a large cavern, this immense thing that could not have been man-made that they must have stumbled across when digging this barrow and judging by the judging by the oblong rectangular looking shape at the other end of this large chamber you think this must be the must be the burial place of Owen the Great. I kneel? Okay. Just just out of, like, reverence for the space I entered, and possibly okay. to appre- appease any, uh, any remnant of Owen that may still be around. All right, you kneel, and as you take a knee in what is now the ankle-deep water on the floor of this chamber, you lower your eyes reverently, and you see your reflection. And you almost forget yourself in the moment, because your what you see reflected in this pool of water is human Reggie looking back up at you. I touch my face. What do I feel? Your face is still, it's still wolfy. You still feel your elongated snout and your bristly fur. Okay. Hi, how's it going? 
Oh. And the reflection speaks back to you. I shrug? Yeah. I get it. Um, I, I think at the reflection, because I can't quite talk. Um, I think, is this real? It's whatever you want. This is real in your head. We both know that, like, the bounds between reality and imagination, they're just kind of... Eh, and he like waggles his hand back and forth. Okay. Um. Then I think. Do, he told me about the dagger, right? Like I'm, I'm not misremembering that. Yeah, he told okay. you about it. I think I'm looking for the dagger. Yeah, of course you are. Can Can I have it? <laughs> I don't know. You've got to figure out. I mean, the the I in that sentence necessitates knowing who that is. So you're one of those weird Barrow reflections, aren't you? I'm I mean, I'm you. I couldn't I couldn't be anything that's not yourself. Brecken needs the dagger and I need to get out of this. If Brecken needs it so bad, then why didn't he come down here? He's a coward, and I'm not. Well, understand then that when you take the dagger, it's going to be for you. You're going to take it, and if you take it, then you're going to take all the consequences that come with it. Can you elucidate me on the consequences? Uh, you know, like, fate and destiny and all that. Is it a cool destiny? Yeah, that's, you know, the thing about destiny is, like, to an extent, it's up to you. What you do with it is what makes it cool or not. I mean, what's one more curse, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean... I gotta go home somehow, I'm not really- I imagine this is kind of a die here or leave with the dagger sitch, so I'd rather- I'd rather leave with a curse than die not knowing where that my friends are okay or not seeing this through. I guess I'll take a well, curse. yeah, I mean, you could- you, you could- you could walk- you could walk out there. Yeah? You could just leave. Oh yeah, this- that's the whole thing. You could- you could- you could take it and see what happens. Or you could leave it and never know. Yeah, I'm going to take it. this far? I'm going to take this far? it. Don't you want to know? I do. I do want to know. Yeah. All right. Get up there, big guy. Thanks, pal. And I pat the reflection on the shoulder and accidentally disturb the water. Yeah. He just ripples a bunch. And he's like, I'll see you soon, buddy. And I, I, I smile in spite of my wolfness. Yeah, you give the biggest, wolfiest grin that would have terrified anybody that could have been there to see it. And then I, I get up and I walk toward, you said like 
there was the coffin in the center or yes in the on the on the far end of the room there's a large stone coffin like thing sarcophagus a, yes like a sarcophagus yeah i just kind of get up and walk over there okay um is is it closed Yes, it is closed. There's a huge stone slab on it with a guy's sleeping form carved into the top. I think the thought, sorry, pal, and (laughs) I cross myself and then push it open. Okay, okay. Just kind of appealing to any sort of any sort of any reverential thing I can do, I'm going to try it. You know, like. There's some truth in all of it. I don't want to get cursed more than I have to. So I'm going to try to be polite about it. Okay. You, you push open the lid of this sarcophagus and inside is the body of a. a man with with pale skin and dark hair and beard the large hooked nose and is wearing some some leather armor and a crown on his head and he looks like he might have died yesterday and beneath his his hands resting on his chest is a dagger that looks like one of those swords you see in a museum where it doesn't even look like it doesn't even look like you could cut paper with it anymore because it's so old and rusted and the metal has just broken down and it looks decayed and the the leather grip and the hilt both look like they could just fall apart if you touch them. I very gently move the hands out of the way and okay. very gently go to pick up the dagger. All right. As soon as you pick up the dagger off of this guy's chest, the dagger looks like it just came off the forge. It looks brand new. And the man in the sarcophagus begins to decay rapidly until, before you know it, he's just a skeleton with a few hanks of hair sticking out of the head in very empty looking clothes. Well, I got the dagger. Uh, so I, I, I turn and, well, actually, no, I give him, I give him one more gentle pat on the, on the, the bone shoulder to be like, and then I think, thanks. And then I turn to leave. All right. You feel a sense of, almost a sense of gratitude off the corpse as you go to leave the tomb. 
Oh man. I hope that gratitude wasn't that I finally just let it find peace and now I'm never gonna find peace. That would suck. Yeah, big time. Okay, it is what it is. I head out back back toward the entrance. Alright. And Brecken is waiting for you. I, I I exit and I hold up the dagger in acknowledgement that I got it. Nice. Oh, don't don't give it to me yet. I there's issues of consent here and I don't want the dagger to think I took it from you by coercion. So you better wait till you're in your when you have your full faculties to I'll ask for it and you can return it to me of your own will. Go ahead and hop back in the trailer. And he reaches up and pats you on the shoulder. I think this was a real bonding experience for us. I do the jerk off motion again. And then I think to myself, as I'm getting in, I think the thought, I would never willingly consent to giving you this dagger. And then I climb in. Okay. You climb in and get yourself ready for the, the eight-hour road trip back to, back to Monaghan. And the, the dagger feels comforting in your hands. And by the time Brecken lets you out into the woods where he found you, it almost feels like it has been your companion on this long trip. And then you don't remember anything else. 